Welcome to the Kingdom Summit Series. <laughs> Welcome to the Kingdom Summit Series. Um, as we're dealing with the Kingdom Summit Series, there are four summits that we will be targeting, uh, That uh, four areas of emphasis that we will really be uh, looking at. And uh, the four are the Singles Summit, the Economic Summit, the Prayer Summit, and the Evangelistic Summit. Now, it may appear as, as I said those things, that that may be the order, but that is not necessarily the order that we will be sharing or that I will be sharing um, in the series. But we will initiate things. The first one that we will target will be the Singles Summit. Now, there is a thread that will bind these four things together. And that, that thread that will be woven through each one of these things will be that thing called the flesh. The flesh is what we will be targeting, the flesh. Because the flesh shows up in all of those areas and the intent of the flesh is to short-circuit us in those areas, individually and corporately. So it is my plan to take bow and arrow and shoot into the heart of flesh to kill it, to take the Glock, got that one that time, didn't you, and point at the flesh and shoot it. Now, please understand me. These are all metaphors that I'm just kind of using. I'm not going to get no real born arrow or no real gun. My, the, the idea is that I'm looking to use weapons, and I'm just making an analogy from the natural world, but really we're going to use spiritual weapons, the Word of God, and we're going to target each one of these things. And the, and the thread that we will be really targeting is that thing called the flesh. So come on, tell somebody around you, we're going to target the flesh. Amen. We're going to deal with this flesh. Now... Tonight, I, I may or may not, we'll see how we do, I may or may not get to starting to deal with singleness. I may not get to it tonight because I must identify the flesh first. I've got to talk about the flesh first before we start going into these areas, okay? The flesh affects all of these areas, but i got to deal with with it, i got to identify flesh tonight. Is that okay? All right, so right where you are, let's pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us this opportunity to gather around your word. I thank you for these hungry soldiers who have come tonight into this cave, oh God, into this conference room, into this place, into the sanctuary. We've gathered, we've assembled tonight that we may hear what thus saith the Lord. Lord, we hear more than our pastor calling us together. We really hear the Holy Ghost talking to the church. And so we rally to get here tonight. We come and mobilize in this place tonight that we may receive our instructions so that we may move forward, oh God, move forward, being able to plow through every roadblock, being able to overcome every challenge, being able, oh God, to press our way through every attempt of the hindrance to come to stop us. It is our uh, resolve, O oh God, 
to rise to the levels that you've called us to live at. And so, Father, tonight we're poised. We're ready. We're in a place of expectation. We are eager, oh God. We Our ears, oh God, have been popped open. The heart, oh God, inside of us, the spirit of our inner being has been prompted. And we are ready now to hear what you've got to say to us. We declare that the, that, that, that the, that none of this incorruptible seed will fall by the wayside. None will fall into stony or thorny ground, but it will fall into good ground and produce a tremendous harvest. We give your name praise tonight, O oh God, for all that will be accomplished in this time that we have set apart. We give you our full attention, God, and we're ready in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. amen. All right. The Kingdom Summit series. First of all, let's look at, since we're calling a Kingdom Summit, let's go ahead and put some definitions on the table. As we're talking about a kingdom summit, we're, we're saying that we're not talking about just any subject matter. We're really talking about that which is ruled by a sovereign. So in other words, we're talking about a subject matter that deals with how citizens respond to its leadership, to its king. Okay? We're not talking about baking tonight. We're not talking about baking cakes. No, no, no. We're talking about kingdom matters. So what is a kingdom? The kingdom, a kingdom is where there is a monarchical ruling government. That's what a kingdom is. Where there is a monarchical, monarchy, you heard of that before, a monarchical ruling government. More specifically, it is a realm in which a king exerts control and authority. So then, if we're talking about a kingdom summit, then we have to understand these two terms that we use from, from the Bible. One is called the kingdom of God. Another one is the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever heard of those two terms before? Heaven. So that even helps us to even define it even more so because we're not talking about the kingdom over there in another nation. We're talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, that which is to do with God. Now, the kingdom of God is God's government. It is God's way of doing and running things. It's God's system of government. It's how he rules. It's, it's his ruling law. It's his ruling uh, 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 governmental precepts. It's how he runs his government. It is that which is a part of his constitution, his declaration. This, the kingdom of God... Is, is that which states how things are handled, how he runs his government. The kingdom of heaven 
is the established place, area, or territory where the king rules. I'll say it again. The kingdom of heaven is the established place, area, or territory where the king rules. So now the kingdom of God is his actual system or his government. The kingdom of heaven is where or the realm in which he enacts his government. Y'all with me? Go to Matthew chapter 6. I know some of this is foundational and fundamental, but please, please, please don't sleep on it. Okay, just kind of follow with me and sow your attention into what we're doing. Matthew chapter number 6. Now, when we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're talking about his government, his ruling government. How he does what he does. It says there in Matthew chapter number 6, and you've heard this before. It says there in verse number 33. But seek ye first. Are you there? It says, but seek ye first. What? The kingdom of who? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It is here in the scripture, in this particular text, that Jesus is teaching, as he's as he has been teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching now about how to handle and manage anxiety, how to deal with anxiety. The temptation to worry. He's teaching on that. And as he's teaching on this, he's telling them that when you're dealing under a system where there is a king, oh my Lord, a king in rulership, that those who are citizens need not worry about anything. That every need is met. Are y'all here? That every need is met. But he's, Jesus is addressing the concern over what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, right? He's addressing those concerns. Okay? Because there is this anxiety and this worry about how we're going to do this, how we're going, how we're going to manage the necessities of life. See, and this becomes important because when you live under a government or a system that that does not bless you, when you live in a government such as ours, there is so much debate on who gets the tax break. My Lord, that's right, that's right. You know what I mean? And then those who make the, the more of the money, they get taxed the most. You know what I mean? You know, then those who make less money, you know what I mean? They get taxed the less. But then it seems like no matter what the tax issues are, bread is still how much? How much is the loaf of bread these days? 
How many of y'all remember when it was 49 cents a loaf? Six, you remember when it was 25 cents? All right, that's right. You remember a few, few days uh, older than me. But, okay, bread has gone up. If you're going to pay for a good name bread, you know, piece of bread, you're going to pay three or four dollars, you know, uh, for a loaf. Right? And now what we, what we paid a dollar ninety nine for, right? Uh, for a loaf, we're paying that for a half of a loaf. So, so to the wealthy, that's no issue. But to those who've had challenges economically, because of the culture or because of the family or because of the situation, bad decisions, whatever the reason is, a dollar ninety nine for a half of a loaf of bread is hard to come by. So when you have nothing to eat, there is this tendency to worry. Tendency to worry. And so what Jesus is teaching now, he's trying to raise their consciousness as to whose they are, which, which defines the government that they're actually living under. So he's telling them that you will be tempted with thoughts which will create worry. So he says, take no thought what you shall eat, what you shall drink. And then he goes down further in Matthew 6, around verse number 31, I believe, because it starts, the thought, the thought starts around 25. I believe it's around verse number 31. He says, take no thought saying. How do you establish what you are internally worrying about? You establish it by speaking it. So once you start this anxiety going on inside and it starts an internal breakdown of your internal infrastructure, then what happens, it forces you now to speak your condition rather than the supply that comes from your king. Because we're breaking down internally. Our infrastructure internally is breaking down. Something's wrong with it. So now we begin to speak our problems. Speak our worries. And here our worries manifest. The things that we've been worrying about come to pass. I've discovered that 70% in my study, that 70% of what we worry about never happens. But because we, we don't have the, the type of control that we need and we don't, don't have the type of confidence in God that we need, we start speaking it out and we start bringing it to pass. I never get a break. We start saying negative things. And then we're forced now, once we start breaking down internally, there's no help on any side because we have chosen to respond and react according, y'all follow me, according to our worrying or anxiety or according to our flesh. Just follow me. Okay. We start acting that way. What, what happens is now nobody's helping us. Government ain't helping us. Nobody in the family won't help me. Family broke too. Can't borrow no more money from the family. I done dialed 211. Can't get no help there anymore. 
They won't allow me to go on the state anymore to get any, get any help and assistance there. Can't get no more stamps anymore, no money. Can't get nothing on the card anymore. Or when I get someone the card, I use that one day. That's supposed to last me the whole month. You know what I mean? These things are happening, right? And I can't really find no way out. So now I'm looking for an exit. Suicide. Suicide comes because you can't find an exit. You can't find a way out. And that becomes the only way out the person thinks for them. Y'all with me? So now Jesus is teaching on the kingdom of God. Now watch what it says in the Amplified. I only said that because I want you to see this. The Amplified says it like this in verse number 33. Says now, but seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness. And then in parentheses it has it like this to give understanding or to amplify what it means by the kingdom of God. His way of doing and being right. So the kingdom of God defined here in Matthew 6.33 is his way of doing and being right. His way of doing right and being right. This is his system, his MO, his modus operandi. This is how he handles his business, his government, the kingdom of God. Are you all here? Go a couple pages back, follow me now, to Matthew chapter 3. We have the kingdom of God, but we also have the kingdom of heaven. Verse number one, chapter three, Matthew says, in those days came John the Baptist. Are you there? Preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye. Come on for the what? Kingdom of, of what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, now let's look at what the Amplified says. It says, in those days there appeared uh, John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness desert of Judea. And saying, repent, think differently. Watch this. Change your mind, regretting your sins and changing your conduct. Here it is. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we established that the kingdom of heaven is an established place, area, or territory where the king rules. So now John the Baptist is crying out and he's declaring, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hmm. Somebody please tell me where heaven is. Good answer. Where God lives. I'll just leave you alone right there. Because <laughs> if y'all point up, I'll do Dr. Fred Price on y'all. Because if you live in China... And you start pointing up and you live in China. Well, then you're pointing down. I ain't going to mess with y'all. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But it's where God lives. Heaven. We'll just say up for wherever we are. Okay. All right. So now, if we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, location wise, God rules in heaven. Hmm. Well, then isn't God the creator of everything? So that means that the earth should belong to him as well, right? right? Can somebody tell me what happened to the earth, please? Genesis. 
All right. It was God's. It belonged to God. It still belonged to God. But there was a turning over of the authority in the earth. God had given man. Right. God. God did not come down himself to manage the earth. He put man in the garden to manage. Gave him the authority. So now he is made in the image and likeness of God. Y'all remember that in chapter one, Genesis? He's made in the image and likeness of God. That just simply means that he is a perfect representation of God in the earth. He's a perfect representative in the earth. He's an ambassador. But he's a, a perfect representing agent in the earth. He is a God man. He is the image. He's not God, but he is the image of God. And in his image is all of the authority that God has to operate with living in him. Oh man, that's too good. All of God's authority, his thinking, his ways have been put in man. So he is the image of God. A perfect representation of God in the earth. Not God, but a representative of God in the earth. With all God-like tendencies. He can see like God. He talks like God. It's a man of authority. Whatever that man does, God says, amen. Because he and God are one. Hello? He is perfect. He is sinless. He's not able to be sick. What is a curse? What is a problem? Is anything too hard for God? Answer is, then if he is a perfect representation of God on earth, is there anything too hard for man? Follow me, follow me. Okay. So now, he represents God in the earth with everything God is. He has, he, he, he has everything that God would operate with in him. In Genesis chapter number three is when the authority was relinquished. When Eve was deceived and Adam disobeyed. Deceived about what, Hodge? Disobeyed about what? Eating of the tree. What tree? There was all these trees that God said to Adam, you can eat from. You can have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Everything right here, eat from. But there's one tree in the midst or in the middle of the garden that you, that, that you cannot eat from. Do not eat from. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. Because the day you eat from it, what's going to happen? You shall surely die. Okay. How many of you know when God says something, he means it? Okay. Well, Eve was deceived of the serpent and she ate from the tree that she was not supposed to eat from. She ate. She was deceived and she ate because God had her thinking that he was holding out on her. That's what, that's, what, that's what the serpent told Eve. 
The serpent, excuse me, the ser- thank you. The serpent told Eve that God's holding back on you. You're not going to surely die. God said you will surely die. She said, he, he, the serpent said, you're not going to surely die. God just knows that when you eat, you'll be like him. Right? Now, here's the issue. She was already, already like him. The art of deception is to make you think that you're, you're not what you are. Yeah. The art of deception is to make what you're saying seem so authentically real that you buy into it. That's the art of deception. To, to look real, to appear real. That's deception. So she was deceived. Adam simply just disobeyed. Serpent had to say nothing to him. Serpent had to work on him. She just offered and he ate. Same command on both of them. Same word over their life because they're one. She was deceived. He disobeyed. When they ate, their eyes were already opened. They were already seeing. Hmm? But when they ate, the Bible says their eyes came open. What does that mean? Well, their eyes came open to a condemned... Oh, man. Y'all come and get me. I'll be back in a minute. Their, Their eyes became opened to a condemned existence. She turned on something. He turned on something that God knew if they would open up that man could not turn it off. Y'all hear? Everybody hear? So he told them, don't eat. They ate. Their eyes came open to that world. And at the moment they were deceived, disobeyed, and they ate, the curse, sin, which is disobedience, okay? The curse came in, but not only that happened. I need some keys. The authority, oh, a lot of authority, right? The, the authority, the author, follow me now, the authority of God that man had, because he was like God. Come on, y'all. He was like God. He, the, the keys, the authority, the keys represent authority, was handed over to Satan. So what happened was the authority, God's authority was given to Satan. So now the scripture teaches us and Paul told us, taught us that Satan is the little G, God of this world. How did he become that? Because man gave him the keys. Now Satan's not the God of all of the worlds, but he is the God of the one that he put man on. And when that happened, and the keys were given over. Now man notices 
what he already was, which didn't bother him, but now he notices that he's now naked. And the condemned world says that when you are without clothing, you ought to be ashamed. So you need to cover yourself. That's what the condemned world says. The world that God made without the condemnation, come on, that he put man on, you can be naked and not ashamed. See, that's living life purely. Oh, man. That's living life without any pretense. That's living life clean. That's living life uh, 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 pure. That's living life the way life is supposed to be. You can go into some of the jungles of some of the nations of the world and you will find people with no clothes on and ain't no big deal. But when you and I look at them, we start to cover our eyes. We're trying to find something to give to them to cover themselves. Because we're a part of a shameful world. Keys given over. Okay. Y'all still with me? Okay. Now, I got to keep plowing, y'all. Just kind of hang with me. So now, John the Baptist, I'm I'm moving up in time now, because through time and through history, God, in his infinite wisdom, sees the world from his eyes. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> he sees the world through his eyes, and so what he sees, he wants. What has happened when man gave over this authority is not what God saw. That's, in other words, that's, what, that's not an existence that God wanted. So, to get it back, watch what happens now. Here is where the world was. When man fell, when he sinned, what happened was the world fell. There's a falling of the world. God wants the world back. We're supposed to be. Somebody shout summit. That's what the summit is about. Summit. Is about living at the zenith point of your life. Living at the maximum, optimum level of life. It's living at the top of life, not in the middle of life, not at the bottom of life, but right where it's supposed to be because that was God's original plan. The world fell and God said no, but he had already a remedy and a plan in place because Christ, before he showed up physically on earth, was already slain before the foundation of the world. So from God's perspective, the world is right where it's supposed to be again. Now it has to be carried out in the earth. Has to be, watch this, manifested. So he calls men, calls them, gets them to walk and to follow. He kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden. And they get grab hands and skipped out together with their messed up self. 
than they had messed up kids. And their kids had messed up kids. Yeah. 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 But through all of that process, God had a plan for his son. And here's the thing about it. You heard it in church all day, but let me put it in this package tonight. He had a plan to get his son here. Because he couldn't use humanity. Because humanity had the fall in him. So man could not be redeemed. He couldn't be restored through this humanity. Blood is tainted. Death is in it. So now through the time he has through time he has to establish the priesthood i can't go into all this he has to establish the priesthood he has to establish royal sovereign leadership through kings are y'all here why would you think he does would do that i'll tell you why because he has to show Order in the earth. He has to show pieces of him in the earth. How, how it would look. So he has to put a priest in place and he has to put a king in place. And then he has to get his son here. Through that process, once it is established, now he has to bring the real deal because he wants to show us what it looks like through things, types and shadows, through boxes, coffins that we call the Ark of the Covenant. He has to have another box called a brazen altar. Another box called the altar of incense. He has to have lampstand candlesticks on them that speak two things. Not two things, but it speaks to things. He has to have a table with bread on it. He has to have a bowl. I'm just kind of old. He has to have a bowl where you wash in. All of those things are typifying His son. So, here it is now. It's time to announce Jesus. He can't come through. He cannot come through the bloodline of a human. Because the life giver... In the male to female relationship is the male. He carries the zero, the, the seed, the sperma, if you will. He carries that, but man at his fall had death now, polluted blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So he has polluted blood now that is going to come through his seed. Since the male is the seed carrier, seed giver. Are y'all here? 
then there is no male to bring a perfect son here. So the Holy Ghost, the Bible does not refer to the Holy Ghost as a she. When you find it as a she in the feminine, I need to know where that is. He, Holy Ghost. He now supplies and provides the sperma. But it is not human sperma. It is sperma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is heaven's sperma. It is perfect sperma. It is sperma that has in it life that never dies. You got to come on. There's no corruption in his sperma. There is no death in his sperma. There is authority in his sperma. Hallelujah. It's not tainted. Hasn't been compromised. Hallelujah. It's perfect. Hallelujah. And so he, God, releases him, Holy Ghost, with he, God's sperma. And so God, y'all better catch this. God replicates himself in the earth again. He repeats, replicates himself in the earth, ah, God, in a virgin woman. He circumvented Joseph. Not out of disrespect, but out of love. Every now and then, her big love will have you push some things to the side. Love every now and then will have to tell you to tell somebody, wait. Love will say, not you, not you, not you. Not because you're not good, but because what I want to do. Okay, okay. Okay. So, God replicates himself again in the earth. Perfect sperma. And the man... Oh, can y'all handle this? Thank you. And the man... Didn't have to lay down with her. The man, Holy Ghost, he, Holy Ghost, did not have to lay down with her. He overshadowed her. I don't even know what that looked like. He overshadowed her. I don't know if he waved his cape. I I don't know what happened. I don't know if he... Again. I don't know how he did it. Peter walked by and his shadow hit people that got healed. I don't know all of that stuff. I don't, I don't understand that. I can't open that up and see how that works. It's a supernatural occurrence. 
The Holy Spirit, he, the Holy Ghost, overshadows her. And whether the, the, whether the sperma was implanted through her belly or through her female parts, through her ears, her eyes, I don't know. But I know one thing. It showed up in her womb. But she had to give permission for this to take place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because God's not going to just force himself on anybody. And so he, he wants to know, are you willing? Want to do something, but you got to be willing. She has some questions. The angels answer, and angel answered her questions and she said, okay, be it unto me. Be it unto me, according to your word. She receives Holy Ghost seed. Angel has to convince Joseph. Because now he's feeling all embarrassed. Angel has to deal with him. Finally, he's okay. He's, he's good with it. So she has to live through this whole pregnancy. She gives birth, speed up, 33 years, 30 years later. There's a guy by the name of John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. He now cries in the wilderness. (laughs) He's in the wilderness crying. He says in chapter 3, all of that just to bring you here again. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is where? At hand. hand. Hmm. So, that means that the place heaven is about to come to earth? Heaven is going to come to earth. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The place where God rules at and over is coming here. He announces the kingdom of heaven is showing up here. <laughs> Hallelujah. He announces that. Because when Jesus comes and when he shows up, he is from heaven. Wherever he goes, heaven is there. How does heaven show up everywhere Jesus goes? Because the kingdom is Within him. All right. The kingdom of God is in you, y'all. Now watch this. Now I say kingdom of God. 
kingdom of heaven. I know what I'm saying. Watch this now. The kingdom of God is in you, and wherever the kingdom of God is, you and I have the ability to bring the kingdom of heaven there. Because the moment I open my mouth and start operating from the government of God, when I open my mouth, my words change things around me. Okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> oh, that mercy. The moment I speak, lay my hands on mother, put oil on mother. The area that she was having pain in, when the pain leaves, the kingdom of heaven appears. Because that's how heaven looks. When I tell a demon to come out, what I have just done is I have dispossessed him and I have now possessed that place, vessel, with heaven. Okay. My words make heaven show up. Because he told me, God told me, Jesus told me that whatever I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever I loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's what I'm told. Jesus was telling them the model prayer when you pray, say our father, which art in heaven. Our father, where is he? Which art in heaven. Our father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be. Thy name. Here it is. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth. How? As it is in heaven. So when you and I pray, Lord, let thy kingdom come. What are we saying? Heaven, show up here. Thank you, Lord. Show up here. Show up here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So he's declaring, repent for the kingdom of heaven (laughs) is at hand. In other words... This world's about to be turned right side up. Order in the court. Order is coming back to the earth. Earth, you have been rocking and reeling. You have been releasing all of these things. You have been going haywire. But earth, listen up. Heaven is coming to earth. Heaven is dispossessing this condemned world. Okay. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay. Y'all with me? 
Somebody shout summit again. Summit. Shout it again. Say summit. As we're dealing, I'm, y'all see, if you notice, I'm still in the beginning. I'm serious about this. I'm t- when I see movies and I see these guys, when they throw uppercut, I'm talking movies. When I see the uppercut, somehow always the person that they hit with the uppercut always somehow leave their feet. And end up in a pile of glass or something in the back or a garbage can or something. I'm getting ready to give the devil. Summit is the highest point, the maximum, the cap, the zenith, the crowning point, living at the top, the turning point of life, the culmination of life. I'm here to provoke you to live higher. Now, let's get busy. Romans 7. I won't quit until earth looks like heaven. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of certain things. But you know what? I'm also tired of talking about how tired I am. We're good with the conversation. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of talking about being tired. Romans 7. Yeah, we want to make this fight very clear. Okay, we're getting ready to come after the flesh right now, y'all. So... Hallelujah. I don't know if we got any nurses in here tonight. They're going to be flesh flying everywhere. Now, let me see how, how far I can go, how much time I got. How many? Seven. Hallelujah. Oh, I just decided just now I'm not rushing. Okay, we're going to finish this. If we get finished next year, we're going to keep rolling with this thing. Oh, I'm so serious. I'm so serious. Romans chapter 7. Here is that battle that Paul is dealing with. He's, he's in a battle. He's in a battle. I don't have time to read it all, uh, but when we come back, I may, I may hit it a little deeper. But there's my, my, my key scripture is verse number 18. My key verse, rather, is verse number 18. I need y'all to run with me now. Romans 7, verse 18. Paul says, for I know. All right, I'll let y'all read it. Anybody got King James Version out there? If you got King James Version. Everybody who have KJV, read it. One, two, three, read.
The Amplified says it like this. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it. I have the intention and the urge to do what's right, but no power to carry it out. That's the, that's the flesh for you. That's the flesh for you. Galatians 6. That's the flesh for you. That's the flesh right there. Paul said it good. He said it right. He said, in me that, he said, let me be real clear about what I'm talking about. In my flesh dwells no good thing. There's nothing good in the flesh. My flesh keeps me off balance. My flesh keeps me living low. My flesh keeps me living in a condemned situation, a condemned world. Okay, okay. Galatians 6, look at verse number 8. I'll just go right to it for time's sake. If you have the KJV, the King James Version, let's read verse number 8 together. One, two, three, read. The Amplified says it like this, for he who sows to his own flesh, which is his lower nature, sensuality, will from the flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But he who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. In my closing remarks for tonight. Oh, I, I wish we would, it was a revival. <sighs> my, my, my closing remarks for tonight. Now, now, Paul said, Romans seven eighteen, that in my flesh, he said, in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. He said, nothing good dwells within me. That is my flesh. Paul said it to the church at Galatia. He says, now, if I sow to the flesh, which is my lower nature, filled with sensuality. Everybody say sense realm. Sensuality. He says, I shall reap decay, ruin, and destruction. That's what my flesh produces. Decay. Ruin and destruction. Decay, ruin, and destruction. Trying to ruin me in the single state of life. Trying to ruin me in my economic life. Trying to ruin me when I'm trying to reach out to win the loss. Trying to ruin me. Trying to ruin me. Trying to ruin me. In my prayer life. I'm trying to pray, but my flesh keeps putting a hole and making my prayers rotten. Okay, okay. 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 Now, here's my statement because my time got to be up. I got two minutes. Here's my last point for the night. Please write this down because we're going to chase this when we come back. 
Live your life with the future in mind. Semicolon. The quality of your life lies in the balance based upon how you live now. I'll say that again. The first piece, live your life with the future in mind. Semicolon, the quality of your life lies in the balance based upon how you live now. Look at that, meditate that. Live your life with the future in mind. But the quality of your life lies in the balance. Based upon how you live now. Hallelujah. When we return, when we come back to this next week. We're going to look at flesh. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you about flesh a little bit here. I'm out of time. 25 seconds. Uh, <clears throat> a little bit about flesh. Because flesh have different forms. When you talk about flesh, you talk about your physical body. Talk about flesh, you talk about your family, flesh and blood. Right? Uh, when you talk about flesh, you can talk about just simply your humanity. The Old Testament has a tendency to deal with the flesh in the area of humanity. And what I mean by that, it talks about frailties and being weak. In other words, the bone structure in your body is stronger than your skin and the meat in your body. There are things in this world that you run up against that's stronger than you and I. Try to run and hit that wall. Tell you who wins. Run into the beam. Let's see who's going to win. The Old Testament has a tendency to speak to the frailty of human body as a flesh, as, as being flesh. Then there's a world view of flesh. The New Testament takes on and swallows up, puts on its back, if you will, the Old Testament understanding, but then it breaks it further because it takes it now beyond just being frail on my humanity as, as a physical being, but it goes inside of me now and talks about my moral breakdown. It talks about my moral rectitude or lack thereof. Yeah, because now we're getting ready to talk about our sensuality, our senses, our appetites, our desires. We have a tendency to desire and have an appetite for things that decay and destroy us. Things that make us rot. Because we don't see it on the outside, we think it's cool. But we're rottening on the inside. 
death is taking place. Every time I function and move in this flesh, which is my lower nature, which is the nature that comes from that world that Eve and them opened up, Adam and Eve opened up, that condemned world, my lower nature, that's my flesh. Okay, I want to run in there. We're going to dig in there because you'll see the fight that Paul, Paul is having a serious fight, y'all. You got to understand, this is an apostle, a proven man of God who is having a war going on on the inside of him. He's really having a battle. And it's that flesh. It's the flesh. So that then the best of the best of y'all in here, I know y'all holy. Y'all look holy. Y'all look saved tonight. Hallelujah. Y'all just is, is saved people. Y'all just saved. Oh, I hear the music over your head. Oh, I hear that monastery music over top of you right now. <laughs> I hear that monk music. But... <laughs> But the best of the best has to contend with the flesh. Oh, yeah. Okay, and let me just help you too. Living the high life makes you a target. A bigger target of the enemy. Because as you and I grow, watch this now, as you and I grow, and we're supposed to grow, because the more I grow, sis, watch what happens, the more I grow, the more of the kingdom of heaven takes me, okay? And the kingdom of God living in me helps me to rule around me. But I have to also understand that the more of heaven that's in me, I'm going to have to face I'm going to have to face men like the, de- the man who was possessed of Gadara. Who had them four to six thousand demons living in him. Called Legion. I'm going to have to face situations. I'm going to have to face situations where the enemy will come to me. And offer me stuff. When you grow and more heaven is in you, you got to understand, you leave the low-ranking demons. And you have to face the demons at this level. So it's not a, thank you, Jesus. I'm free. No, when you get here, you got to understand that the fight intensifies. I mean, ain't no problem, but you got to understand you can't be going to the next level fighting at this level. Okay? So, understand when we start dealing with the flesh... 
I'm going to have to deal with our mind. Because you can't grow to the next level and have the same mind. How are you going to fight at the next level with this level mindset? All right. So that last statement I gave you, the first part, remember what, remember what, what it said? Live your life with the future in mind. Semicolon, right? The quality of your life lies in the balance based upon, come on, how you live now. Okay. Now, just underneath that, just put First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 23, and we'll pick it up from there. All right, did y'all get blessed? All right, we're going to stop there. We'll pick it up from there when we come back together because I want to tap into that. All right? I'm going to kill the flesh. Okay? But I want to make, but watch this now. I want to make sure that we're killing the flesh and not the wrong part of us. We're made of three parts. Let's make sure we're targeting the flesh. And not the other parts now. Come on, let's anchor this in. My God. Hallelujah.